0: hey everyone welcome to episode 13 of business therapy my name is sam and i'm here with jonathan before we get started don't forget to like subscribe and leave a comment so you can stay up to date on all our weekly topics and discussions today we're going to be talking about trust in the workplace and this is a topic that i've run into a lot this year but also through my entire career and it's really about what how do we give trust how do we earn trust in the workplace and also, what is the best way to manage trust from a process and from a productivity perspective? So it's kind of a, a big topic. There's a lot baked into it. And it's one that I I have a lot of I have a lot of interesting experiences with, especially as we try new new models of working. Uh, but before I kind of delve into a number of things that excite me, do you have any Comments from your end, Jonathan, to start about
1: trust. Experiences on the receiving end of not being trusted, or
0: I've not been trusted. I've been trusted. I've given trust. I've not trusted other people. It's kind of experimenting with with every dimension as as we as as I've gone through my career. At least I don't know how how your journey's been with that.
1: Well, I've seen the toxic toxic impact of it. Uh, that's definitely something I uh, I'd like to go through. Uh, what are some of the reasons you think people don't trust or leaders don't trust their teams?
0: I I think not trusting people is kind of the default in business, unfortunately, at least what I've seen, especially from a leadership and a management standpoint. And that's part of the topic I'd like to unpack. I guess we can start there, which is that it's hard to delegate. Let's start with a more functional word. But really, when we talk about a manager or a leader, needing to delegate tasks to their to their staff or their direct reports, it ultimately, the level of delegation one can, can do, it comes down to well, how well is it documented or how well do we feel like we're in control of it? But for everything that's not in control, trust is the other dimension that one would say, you know, it was critical to delegate things.
1: It seems It, seems, counts, see it. it seems counterintuitive because if you don't trust and you're effectively micromanaging then what you know? What are you doing? Like if you're the manager and you're essentially helping the person do their job or do their job for them or direct them and do the, their job along with them, then what, what are you adding? What value are you adding to your organization?
0: Well, that's a, it's the loaded question or really the rhetorical question I'd say, which is you're not adding value if you're managing people by doing their work or micromanaging their work, however that manifests itself for you. And that's why the the kind of interplay between trust and delegation is such a big one, because one could say that you have to have some level of trust to delegate work mm-hmm. to your employees and not micromanage and not do the work for them. And I think that's probably one of the biggest functional places to start the conversation about trust, which is that you're going to have to trust people eventually to some extent. And some managers who are more control oriented and they and they're not as easy to trust, they will try to control their employees through either standards, which we've, which we, we talk about quite a bit. They try to put in mechanisms of control. So they feel that they know what's going on, or they know that at any given moment, they can kind of take the work if it's starting to go the wrong way. But I, I feel that that's, and this is now where it bridges into trust is kind of on the personal side of the house too. It's not a way to To deliver trust, which is kind of you, you only trust people as far as, as far as you feel in control. And I think that's part of the the conversation that at at work and at home, it can get very toxic when you talk about, well, I trust you. I trust you to do what I tell you to do, or I trust you to use the tools with the guardrails that I've given you. And is that really trust? And I think in the workplace, it, it is a very fine distinction because when you say, oh, I trust my employees to do the things that I'm telling them to do that's not really a form of trust. That's really, you are, are enforcing controls and you just feel comfortable enough ceding some of that control to another person. And I think that's where you start to see de- declining outcomes. But before I, I, I kind of finish that thought, I guess I'd like to see what it sparks in your head, Jonathan, because I think now you know that we're talking about like usual, trust is not as simple as, hey, I trust you. Like what does that actually mean in the physical environment, I think is the question we're starting to delve into now.
1: Well, I think when you trust somebody, you trust them that they're going to figure out how to accomplish something, that you give them agency, that's trust. If you don't trust somebody, then you don't even think that they can handle the how of anything. So you basically don't believe that that person can achieve for you what you need them to achieve in the absence of you being an integral part of how they're going to achieve it. You think that
0: yeah and agency is such a it's such a great word that you use and it's actually a word I've used recently when I've been talking about this. Agency is such a big part of actually the trust being delivered. You can say you trust somebody and like you mentioned you can give them things to do but if you don't trust them around the how or to achieve an objective without you working it like a puppet or hand holding the whole time, then you're actually Conferring some sort of trust, maybe, but it's actually you're not giving any agency and I think they have to go together in the workplace, if you can't give somebody agency and control over their process control over their own destiny and you don't and you have to be able to see watching them from moment to moment, then you can't really say that trust is given or at least that's what I would say.
1: And it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy, because if you micromanage somebody. ultimately they're going to deliver less than optimal results because they're not thinking for themselves. They're more afraid of your interaction than they are about failing to achieve their objective, which they may not even know. And their skills go down or they're they're certainly not growing because they're never having any sort of uh, risk in, in their activity. And then the next scene is you need to micromanage them because you're not getting any results. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a self-feeding dynamic for sure.
0: Yeah, and one thing I've seen that's actually almost the, the worst of all worlds from a hybrid dynamic is I let you work without any sort of guidance for let's say a week or a month. And then I end up usually materially changing your output by 50, 70, 80% every time. That's the part where the agency is taken from somebody. And then the next time they're really not motivated to, to try anything on their own because they know that whatever they do, it's really subject to a manager or a leader basically taking it and, and basically making it in their image or redoing it entirely at the end. So, I mean, to me, that's the worst of, of all scenarios because then that, I've seen employees in that situation all the time where they're given tasks, they're given, they're trusted to kind of do the how and figure it out themselves, but their output is never accepted as is. They're never really allowed to push the, the final outcome of their work and their process out into the environment, which th- that can be extremely demotivating.
1: Well, now we're getting into the like, why doesn't somebody trust? You know, what what what's what's uh, creating that? You know, for the person, and and I find that people who micromanage or don't trust uh, tend themselves to be either afraid of being outshined by somebody or not needed, and and there's some and that's where the control comes from that they want they they need to know that they're needed, and that's the most immediate application of it. And they're, they're not going to use their time to do something else. So that, that, uh, maybe that's a little more uh, psychological. I also find that those kind of people tend not to hire people that can outshine them. So the hiring process and the people that they're getting to bring on board tend to not be able to deliver exactly what they you know, optimally could or, or should. So it's, uh, you know, maybe there's a motiva- motivating factor there
0: certainly and with managers who are well that and it's a whole like you said it's a whole another dynamic where they don't the the trust part of that it's it's i guess i'm i'm trying to get out this thinking because like the dimension you just mentioned about managers who don't want to be outshone. i mean we're now we're sort of sliding into the whole realm of what is a manager's role in an organization are they meant to actually are they supposed to be promoting their people above themselves or are they starting to because you, you know we can talk about management all day from lots of different dimensions but I think I don't want to stray too far from the trust thing but I'm kind of mulling over right now whether they're one and the same you know as we unpack it
1: well I think in the in the world that we would imagine where you don't have the traditional management you know you have more uh, mentors or you have people who are looking on how everybody in the organization including at a more senior level or more ten, tenure is looking on how to maximize value of the organization and you maximize the value by investing in people and giving them the chance to grow so uh, you know I, I would say it definitely has an implication to management yeah
0: well in management if we're tying it together the last few thoughts in my head was a bit muddled around it you the only way to properly manage people if you want to have a evolving system is to trust them. And this, again, is where we started with talking about delegating effectively and what it actually means to delegate, which is to let them do what they're going to do. I think part of it that we, you know, that we've been circling around is you have to trust people. If you're actually trusting people, you have to trust them to make mistakes also. You have to create a space where they can make mistakes and then you can coach them afterward.
1: If your people aren't in a position that they could fail, then they're not you're not being a good manager or a hey, good you, don't tru-
0: yeah, you don't trust exactly. them inherently.
1: Exactly. So they have to be able to fail. And that's the only way that people grow. You know, we always, we bring it, you know, a lot of our ideas about value. We started with, you know, manufacturing something that's very tangible. So if you imagine a micromanager on an assembly line, well, then it becomes really obvious, you know, that they're helping the person do exactly a specific activity or they're just looking over their shoulder as we move to the digital world, you know, or services, it's harder to see that micromanagement because it's it's usually in instructions and the like, you know, and, and the activities the person's performing, there is this interplay of, you know, conveying something through words and also micromanaging through words. And it's, uh, you know, conveying instructions, you know, through words and, and micromanaging through words. And uh, as our producer just uh, raised, and now we have COVID and, uh, you know, now it's really distant, and if if the manager feels these problems of control or doesn't trust, it's incredibly magnified, because now they, they they've lost all control.
0: I think the COVID thing, you know, I was reflecting on it as the question came in. I don't know if it's increased trust in the workplace. It's definitely made a lot more people who had trust issues even more triggered.
1: But that's what I'm a saying. A lot
0: yeah. time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, it, it's given people more time to do things that the, the way they want to do them, because it's harder to micromanage, you know, when, when it's completely remote, but the interference is even worse because what ends up happening, and this is the dynamic that, you know, I see in companies, is they, they can't micromanage the task, but what they can do is they can throw off the entire work stream through other meetings that they're having that makes the work that a person, you know, a whole team is doing moot, you know, without, without communicating. So instead of just micromanaging the person, they're just constantly just micromanaging activities, and that has uh, ripple effects. I don't know if that was a clear thought, but. Uh,
0: I, I think so. I think what we're saying is that the, the COVID thing, if you're somebody who had trouble giving trust in the workplace, which we're saying is a positive thing. Ultimately, and there's oh, a few more things we'll, we'll talk yes, about. That. Right. <laughs> I don't think the I don't think the COVID thing helped anybody. If you had trust issues before COVID, you had trust issues after COVID. It's just the mechanisms in which you used to micromanage, like to Jonathan's point. You, you know, you can always throw in extra virtual meetings, you can always be asking for more updates, you can be checking in on your people. I think it changed the way that people definitely managed and tried to exert control over their situation and their teams. But if you didn't trust your people before, you're probably more uncomfortable after COVID, but I don't think it was. You just woke up one day and say, "Oh, well, now I trust my people more because I have to because they're at home and they're, you know, not two desks down for me at the office." I think people figure out how to re reexert exert control when that's their when that's their their preferred way of managing. I guess you would say.
1: So for being clear that trust is a you know something that 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 should be valued, uh, and and actually I I believe it's it's. If you, if, there's, if you don't have a trust uh, if, if, as a leader, if you can't trust people to execute, you've already accepted a low threshold of total output and total value. Because people who can't be enabled to accomplish tasks on their own, or people who, who, can't, who feel like they're being micromanaged, they certainly will never innovate. They certainly will never come up with any creative solution beyond what you would have done yourself. So imagine that. All your people now have become limited to what you are capable of. What what a terrible limitation! Uh, makes absolutely no sense. Uh, and in addition to any ability to, to innovate, you're going to get more people who are trained in this style of management. So now you have a whole host of people who think that this is what's valuable. Um, and in, and a symptom of this, you know, and something that I see in organizations where this dynamic has gone over on over uh, a period of time, is. Uh, overprising of people being in the weeds conversations being in the weeds instead of being think you know big picture thinking in fact big picture and thinking is thought of as uh, um not not as valuable on some level because it's not action-based or it's 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 not it's it's not immediately actionable
0: yeah that was wonderfully articulated is what i was trying to pull together earlier the idea that what trust is the factor which kind of defines the ability your your capacity to scale in an organization scale a team scale output create more growth and innovation in the organization and one of the points you made in there that that i want to reiterate is that if you're a manager i guess when we were talking about what is the manager's role as a guarantee if you're saying trust is a good thing that means your role cannot be overlapping with all of your staff's roles So let's kind of look at it from the reverse. So if you're somebody who's having trouble with trusting other people or trusting your team or your direct reports, particularly, we're kind of teasing out of the conversation a few principles here. That trust is the level of trust you can give, the level of agency you can give is going to be the unlock so that you can scale. So whether you understand it or not, you have to first start with understanding that if people are not able to do things without your input or without your purview, you've automatically capped your organization. So that's one thing I think to to fix in your mind as a, as a, just like an an outcome based thing. And then the second thing we were talking about is that the, that the trust factor totally left that that point, that second point, it's really important. It totally left my mind. Maybe you can pick up where I was saying it's kind of go go ahead.
1: I, I was just, I was adding another dimension of if you don't trust, then your results get obscured, like the the failure points get very obscured because if you're micromanaging all along and everybody else is micromanaging, then it's very unclear where something went wrong. So it's imagine like, oh, go.
0: That was it, that was it. It's the overlapping, that's what we're saying. The overlapping, it was the second point that I wanted to make, you can't overlap with your people. So what is a manager supposed to do? It's on you to be innovative. It's you to create more expansion, to create new tasks, new roles for yourself and for others. You should never be doing the same thing your staff is doing. And also, it's it's the other side of the coin you were starting to articulate, which is if there's ambiguity in who is actually owning the activity because you're micromanaging or you're changing the outputs based on your final check or what have you, they can never really own the mistakes. They can never really own the process. And then they will always be conflated, your work and their work. And that's that becomes very toxic for organizations.
1: And that distinction of your work and their work I think you were starting to say, is you're supposed to be setting the strategy as a leader. You're supposed to be understanding the big picture of what our objectives should be, how we might need to alter the objectives in a transparent environment. But that's where you need to be spending the balance of your time. If the balance of your time is on the tasks that your people are executing, then nobody's looking at where you're going. And that's how organizations end up in places that they don't anticipate. You know, an image that comes to me as we're having the conversation is, you tell somebody to drive you somewhere, and you're sitting next to them, and you constantly reach over and keep pushing, pushing on the wheel, you know, every two seconds, you know, or putting your foot on the on the accelerator or not. Um, and then when the when everyone crashes, like, see, I knew I had to uh, help you drive because this is what happens when I don't, when I'm not driving, <laughs> like so, you know, yeah. just so noxious.
0: And it's another thing that's popped in my mind. It's kind of like saying that your job is to focus on looking forward, but you're always having to look behind you to make sure everyone's doing the right things. It's very frustrating. And it causes a lot of tension. You can't constantly be looking over your shoulder and looking back if you're supposed to be driving forward. And that's, that's really tough. And I think a lot of people struggle with this. And I think you even said it earlier, Jonathan, about the sort of self-fulfilling cycle that this gets in where if you don't confer trust, the outcomes are always more poor. And then you're always frustrated. And Then you're always saying, well, how can I trust these people because nothing's working? And it's tough. It's, it's one of those things that you have to be able to identify it. You have to identify if you're the kind of person that has issues kind of building credibility with other people or giving trust freely or making sure that people have the room to breathe and do what they need to be doing or what you ask them to do. And even if they can't do it, you like giving them room to fail and like show you where there's weaknesses where you can bolster them. Um, you're really going to be you're going to feel stressed. You, you, should, you will feel it and you will feel strain in yourself and your reports and in your business model generally.
1: And the way that you're more likely to control a result, if, if that's how, you, if you're already in that biased mind of, I need to control something, which is already, you know, the, the word control is anathema to, to our thinking, but I'm putting my mind in the, you know, putting myself in that, in, in that mindset of, of somebody who feels the need to, to micromanage. It's not like we're saying that there shouldn't be accountability. Accountability is critical. People feeling like they own, you know, that an activity or getting to a certain spot or accomplishing something—that's critical. This isn't a free for all. It's not that we're saying that you know you don't manage, but you look at the the you, you put people accountable for the goal that you set, and if you reserve the energy for that because you're not walking with them every step of the way you're more likely to have the energy to you know for the accountability and then that's how you start getting a cycle of knowing who can accomplish what you know you might be surprised by by that result you know who can accomplish what and who can't and you know how to how to better place the the, the team
0: well and in the beginning too it's the only way we've pointed it out i mean you can't if you really want to grow and you really want to create hours for yourself and you want to create you know, expansion in your business there, there. There's no other way to do it mechanically. You can't walk by everyone all the time.
1: You, you, you know, you know, the o- team. You often see this uh, dynamic. You, you can micromanage and scale yourself to a certain to a certain number of tasks. So maybe if you have two people who are working for you, you can give them make them an extension of yourself without, you know, them thinking or understanding the objective or anything. But you hit a certain number where and, and I'm not saying that that's efficient or a good thing to do but you hit a certain number of people and you can't do that and now you, that's where you see uh, very often businesses start really starting to hit a downturn because they're successful you know it, but they can't grow any further they can't scale and even if they even if the manager tried you know taking a step back as i mentioned the same person tends not to have a you know good hiring practices and the like, and their people don't have the experience of of being you know charged with a goal or being accountable.
0: Well, everything becomes brittle because you've got key people throughout the organization that are bearing a lot of weight and they're not really enabling, like you said, or training or or kind of cultivating people that are coming in on their teams or coming up under them, and that means when a few key people get knocked out. Either they're out of the organization, they move on, or they even take like even a vacation something as simple as that. The organization you see as it grows, it can't really grow like that because there's just weak points all over the place. It's like, it's as if you're building a building with a number of vulnerabilities and any one of them can bring the whole building down. That's kind of what it feels like. And that's an organization that there's not a lot of trust. There's not a lot of trust both ways. But. But I, I think I, I'd like to shift a little bit into why is it so hard for people to trust? I know we've kind of already talked about it. It's a control thing. but I, I think even more broadly on that, when we're talking about control in the workplace, not even in the workplace, outside the workplace, I'm actually noticing in this conversation, I would even go as far as to say control is is one of almost like the opposite of trust and something that if you if it, you yeah. yeah, if you need control, you don't really think of those things as antonyms, you know, typically. But really, when you think about sort of now going more to a spiritual space again, the duality of to require control in anything is actually at the expense of trusting either the universe around you, trusting your partner, trusting your employees to need control is basically the opposite of trust. For every minute of energy you spend on exerting control, you physically cannot spend that same energy on trusting something to occur. It's almost like trust in that sense is faith in a lot of ways.
1: And people, you know, the way people use the term trust, usually it's something that's born out of an extreme amount of time, you know, so that y- you would have had to have seen a dynamic repeat itself with somebody multiple times. But I think what we're suggesting here is that you need to start from a point of trust, even if it's even if it hasn't been earned. I think it, it, maybe that's the word I'm looking for, you know, when it comes to trust, earned, because yeah. either way, the result's the same. Because if you don't trust, you're never going to put yourself in a position to have somebody who's trustable. So you have to start from a position of trust. It's the only logical way to ultimately get the value you want. And they say, Oh, but then the person, will, if the person failed or we did crash or whatever, you know, then I would suggest that you're just, you, you would have hit that point either way, you know, because by limiting and by controlling everything, you know, it's my example of the, you know, interfering with somebody driving your car Either way you get the same result, crash. But at least if you trust, you give the chance, a person a person a chance to perform.
0: And that's to me the absolute punchline of this conversation. And the one that I think is the critical one I wanted to drive to also, which Drop is trust. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, trust <laughs> has to be granted freely and that may seem radical, but if you wanna talk about if you're experiencing some stress and tension around trust and trust in your team and trust in your employees, the first thing to do is start giving it out for free and just practice that because it's going to start bringing all the good things we're talking about. But the mechanics of that is, you know, we we tend to everyone I tend to see who has trust issues is everyone's guilty until proven innocent, which is the opposite of you know how our legal system works and how most people would like to think that you know they'd be given the opening that hey I, I, we assume that people are good at doing the right thing and everyone's well until proven otherwise and innocent until proven guilty. But with trust, it's often not that way. The idea that Jonathan introduced the earning the trust thing is so systemic in business where you're a new employee or you've just come into the the team, even if it's a project team, and you're guilty until proven innocent. You're not going to have trust given to you unless you've earned it or this idea of people need to be hazed or they need to be assessed or they need to be on like a training period. And that is extremely toxic. And we see it all over because in a way it's institutionalized. It's kind of foundational. I see it as people, you know, they normalize it as, as typical business practice. Well, I can't, I'm not going to give this person a $5 million book of business on their first day. They have to earn that. People have to earn their place and they have to put oh, in their hours. They put in their time. But a
1: dif- right. But there's a difference between giving a person a chance to fail, like being a little bit out of the comfort zone versus telling somebody, okay, you know, first day I'm out of here, run the company, you know, like, so it, it it's, if you're truly looking at, you know, and we should say this is under a framework of maximizing value, you know, for, for yourself, for, for those around you, for your company, you know, so it's, it's, it's not like this, again, that's like, like the word accountability, that's accountability. That's not anathema to the conversation that we're having. Same thing with amount of trust that you give people uh, in any given scenario. It's, the appropriate amount for whatever task and objective that they're that, that you've given them. If you've given them an objective that's unreasonable, you know either they don't have the experience or the skills to handle, well, that's not value creating. So I just want to you know say that there's a natural governor on this if you're truly looking at maximizing value.
0: for sure. and and i I echoed that because the trust piece on on this dimension is if you actually were have somebody in the room and you trusted them with a part of your business, you would still want them to know what they're accountable for. They would want to have clear lines that they're trying to achieve, clear targets, clear goals. They're almost, to me, two separate things. They're, they're not related. I mean, whether I trust you or not it, and whether that you have a clear runway and I've given you the tools, it's like you said, you don't want to trust somebody and then set them up to fail. To me, that's kind of two separate dimensions. It's not like you have to disappear immediately because trust is conferred. It's sort of the nature of your relationship becomes totally different. If I trust somebody to do something, the way I engage them, the way that I approach them is different than if I don't trust them to do it and, I, and, I, and I'm going to engage them differently. It'd be the difference between saying, I'm going to give you this goal, but I want to make sure that you do it this way to meet the goal versus I'm going to give you this goal and we need to work together to figure out what are your strengths, how would you achieve it, and then ultimately I want you to kind of tell me the best way to do it. It's like those are the two, I think, conversations that illustrate this point.
1: And, you know, there's uh, uh, something that the the themes that we bring up always, you know, will come up in under almost every dimension, transparency, you know, so if you're not transparent about the objective, what you're trying to achieve, why you're trying to achieve it, you're leaving room for distrust, because even if you don't mean, even if it's not intentional, that, uh, that, that you're not sharing, you know, some information, you say, you know, just go, you know, go from point A to point B as opposed to the why we wanna go from point A to point B. When something changes, people think, you know, that you deliberately want it to impact their role somehow. So, you know, you just, the the lack of transparency inherently will create problems with trust.
0: For sure. And also just back to, I think it's related, transparency is if you don't trust somebody off the bat, you create distrust. Like if you give trust, you're gonna get trust. If you give distrust, you're gonna get distrust in return. And especially if you don't trust someone, you tend to be less transparent. I think they go hand in hand naturally. It's our instincts. If we're trying to judge somebody, if we're trying to assess them, if we're trying to kind of watch them from a distance, you're gonna tend to keep your cards closer then, if you just go in and give someone the benefit of the doubt, and you assume that they're in the right place, that they're aligned, uh, you know, with your incentives and your motivations, then you tend to feel more encouraged. I think to share. Like all the good things tend to play off of each other, and all the bad things tend to breed and and amplify each other. Also, um, especially if you're if you have distrustful employees, a lot of times, in my opinion, it's because you started the relationship with your employees by not trusting them. And then it starts reflecting back at you and i think that's what a lot of managers it's an it's an inflection or an introspection point not one you know you know it's a mirror employees a lot of times i think are a mirror
1: a lot of times you know when it's an inefficiency issue uh you know we're called in to take a look at a a given team there are questions and, and i see it's a toxic you know environment you know in the team i'll ask the manager you know i i tend to repeat the same questions that i ask the manager which include, do you see the big picture here? Do you understand why you're, you know, you're trying to accomplish whatever you're trying to accomplish? Or do you clearly understand the objectives of your team you know, that, 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 that you're setting out? Because I, te- I find that when people are not looking at the big picture, don't understand what value and, and why they're trying, you know, the, the why level, that's when they micromanage because they don't know anything better to be doing.
0: Well, they're all just milling about if they don't have the whole picture. And then again, it, it's all the things related. They don't have the whole picture because you didn't tell them, because you don't trust your employees and you don't think they uh, need to be knowing things. They're on like a need to know basis. Then the lack of transparency basically disables them. It takes away their agency. It makes I, them I'm just, incapable.
1: I'm suggesting that they, that the leader sometimes leaders get mired in the details because that's what their comfort is. That's all they know, you know. They they they're afraid to look at the scary market, you know, and and change and innovation that might be coming up against them, and you know, like it's almost like a version of putting your head in the sand, you know, by being lost in these details.
0: And in today's theme, if you find yourself doing that, and you've been promoted to a leader, it's probably a sign of you're not trusting yourself. I mean, that's a big oh, like you hundred percent
1: hundred percent it starts there yeah
0: if you're staying in the details and you're somebody who you know you seek validation or comfort because you want to be doing what you're good at what you're known to be good at in a way you're not trusting yourself to excel to grow to kind of let your team handle it while you go on to bigger and better things and that's another way you can look at it which is you have to give yourself room to grow and you have to give yourself uh, the trust to do new things and fail and make mistakes and know that you're in a in a place to do that i think if you can't do that it's very difficult to move forward
1: and unfortunately there's only there's only a few profiles of individuals who succeed in a micromanagement type you know environment and so you know we were talking about like how it's it's a cycle that repeats itself or you know makes things you know even worse it you start weeding out from your organization the truly capable people and you start really only retaining the people that are very limited and can only handle you know yeah. very little or the people that are sycophants you know and uh, and have gotten really good at politics so you know micro micromanagement tends to in, include with it a lot of politics and a lot of subpar performance
0: all the bad things really and it's just it's funny because it's a lot of times it's part for the course people are becoming more aware of it that it's and, and, you know, we talked about COVID earlier. I think in the virtual environment, it can be even more disabling because if somebody feels shut down because they're micromanaged or they're not trusted or they lack agency, they will just, they don't have to pretend to be sitting at their desk and looking busy all day. They just won't do things. I think that is is—that is a symptom that's actually giving people more time to breathe and think about, well, I don't really have anything to do in my home if I'm not given the the space and the openness to do it. So I think it's becoming more it's revealing a lot more of it. I think at least before in the workplace, you can mill around all day and sort of not know it as much.
1: That's interesting. So like you, you're coming into the office, you have, you're have you being micromanaged. And so that dynamic and that tension is, 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 is taking up so much of your energy that you're not thinking about exactly what you're doing. But you get home and you're not micromanaged. It's, it's COVID world. And now you've had time to say, wait, what are we trying to accomplish as a team? What's my company trying to accomplish? You're like, and, and now you start asking questions. And you don't, there aren't good answers because micromanagers tend not to be transparent. So the end of the day, uh, it, it's really revealed uh, uh, this lack of an understanding of, of where you're going and, uh, you know, what value is being created.
0: Yeah. And I've spoken to a lot of people since the, the COVID thing happened that are working r- virtually now. And I think they do have more awareness on both sides. Like I said, they're aware that, okay, if I'm the micromanager, I'm just, doing work all day long, every day. And people who don't have the, the trust to do work, they are sitting at home watching Netflix and they're just getting paid. And I think that they know it too. It doesn't make them feel good. It's just, I've talked to a lot of people who say, I don't know what to do. I can't be, you know, well, everything I do is not, I'm not given the leave to do it. I don't have any ownership.
1: But that's another thing. So um, micromanagers, they tend to want to account, especially in a COVID environment, for the time people spent. So they, they the eight hours, they're looking at when is someone logging into their laptop? They're looking at, you know, maybe people have to start accounting for their time, you know, like, because that, that's that, that's the only way that in this remote environment, they could see that the person's quote unquote working. But at the end of the day, do I really care if, if, my, if somebody was able to do something that I think should have taken a week, but they did it in one hour and they did it really well, do I care? if they end up working all those other hours, you know, or you know, quote unquote, you know, showing me that they're working, or do I care about the output? And I think that's another thing that uh, marks successful companies. They really don't care about the process that got some, you know, somewhere, I mean, unless there's learning from it, et cetera, but they really focus on the objectives. And if you, and that's the, the, the advice we're giving anyway here in terms of trust. Tell people what you want them to achieve, not how. Don't manage them through the how unless they pull, unless they're asking you, you know, for, for input, and then hold them very accountable for the objectives. Really simple. And that's the same thing with COVID. It really doesn't matter how long somebody is spending, how many hours somebody's spending time. It's, are we getting the output that we need to get?
0: I think it's simple when you when you see it. I think for a lot of people, it's hard to see that relationship you just described the first time. But I think once you get there and you start if you, once you start letting go the wheel a little bit, and you do start trusting yourself and trusting other people, then it becomes very intuitive. You know what Jonathan has well, articulated, which is you, you give them the goal. And then you let them have the space to try to achieve it and you hold them accountable.
1: But what's complex about it is you not knowing the goal. Like, so a lot of times yeah. you yourself are not looking at the objective or it's also a matter of fear because a lot of times if you commit to an objective, then it's clear, you know, if it was the wrong objective or if it you know, if there was a better opportunity to be pursuing or whatever it is, then it's account, you're accountable for that. Like you're, you're the one who's setting the objectives. So it's much easier to kind of just be amorphous, you know, in terms of what the objectives are and then micromanage everyone's tasks or focus on the irrelevant as opposed to the, you know, what's important. I know, did that trigger something or?
0: (laughs) It did. And we just got a question kind of on the, I want to see what this question coming in on apps that kind of record workers, keystrokes, their motion, like what they're doing. And do we think, do we have a feeling or an opinion on that? (laughs) <laughs> in mine, yeah, to be, to be aligned with the conversation, I have a negative opinion of those, those tools. I think that they, they are what we're talking about. They breed mistrust. And they basically give a clear signal that we don't trust our employees to be achieving their goals. And also, just from a process standpoint, who is reviewing all of that? We're creating tremendous amounts of data, tracing people's keystrokes, watching their activity, making them log in and log out that data, I can tell you 99% of the time is never looked at, never reviewed. It's never deployed in any meaningful way to create any value for any company that I've ever seen deploy these tools. So,
1: So Also, how do you measure somebody? That's how they're going to be, that's what they're going to be incentivized to do. So if you're recording their activity, then they're going to just be making sure they're on their laptop all the time or whatever they need to do, to make sure that they pass whatever test these keystrokes and whatever is, is aimed to do, as yeah. opposed to the, what they're supposed to be accomplishing.
0: It's measuring and putting focus on the wrong parts of the process, which is again, not the outputs, not the goals. And, you know, and, and again, it's on the, the how, not the what, you know, as Jonathan would say. And, and it doesn't, how does that help an organization? If they do the keystrokes, or they're online, or whatever, and they're not hitting their goals, then what was the point of measuring them? I, I just and think what, it's irrelevant data.
1: And let's say you have somebody who, to solve a problem, is spending a majority of an hour thinking about it, you know, pondering, you know, or maybe they don't even use their computer for it. They they like using a whiteboard, or they like no, using, we don't you know. we don't
0: pay people to think.
1: <laughs> so so and then in the you know with five minutes out of the hour, you know they they have their flash of the inside they understand it and, and, and they're productive well who are we going to reward well if you're measuring their interaction with their system you know it's you're saying that it's not very valuable to just kind of be idle you know and and you know the successful companies also give people a certain amount of space you know we've talked about this you know the idea of giving yourself space companies give their employees space too um, and, and, some, and sometimes that space is just to think, to read, to learn, to whatever it is, but not necessarily to just be cranking out whatever it is that, they, that you think they're going to be more efficient doing if that's all they do 100% of their time.
0: And it ties, again, a topic we talk about a lot, the space concept, it ties it into our, like I said earlier, all the good things are typically bundled together, trusting employees to meet their goals How is their best suited to do so gives them the space to do that and be creative and be innovative, not tracking their keystrokes, not over exerting control over them, gives them the space to be more productive, gives them the space to create their own process and create kind of, you know, innovation for the company. All the things that we talk about are related and, you know, transparency in there too. We talked about how that was related. So I guess, I guess for me, uh, you know, and kind of summarizing the conversation today about trust. The, the biggest thing I'd like to say is b- make sure that you don't make people earn it. Like we're staying present with people innocent until proven guilty is still, you know, it works for the law. I think it should work for giving trust to people just as a, as a flyby rule and make sure that y- you kind of understand if you're struggling with this, how much you're trying to control things and your need for control. I think, I think what surfaced for me in this conversation and what I'd like to reiterate as we, as we come out of it is if you're putting it, that the control is the opposite of trust. And look at that in your personal life too. And I think that's a good way to practice. If you feel the need to control anything, look at the, the need to let go of the control a little bit as building trust and whatever the focus is. And I think that's, that's an interesting thing to look at.
1: And a way you can measure that is, where are you spending a majority of your time? On the how or on the why? If you're a leader, you should be looking at the how, sorry, at the, at the why and, and seeing the output, but you're not looking at the, the how all day long. And I just, I'll add one last thought, you know, In an era where everybody's so worried about retention of employees and why is everybody going different places? If you're micromanaging them, that means inherently, and there's no trust, why should they have any allegiance or feel any part meaningfully of your organization? People who feel invested in and who feel valued tend to wanna stick around. People who don't tend not to. So if you're micromanaging or not trusting and have a not trusting environment, don't be surprised if nobody trusts you back and it goes away and then you're going to align on someone who you think is really good but they're going to feel the same as everybody else so you got to give it to get it
0: that's a general rule in business and in life i'd say all right well i think that about sums us up for this week so thanks for tuning in and hope you enjoyed and we'll talk next week